Okay, so tonight, Be'ezra Sashem, we're going to be starting, or I'm sorry, we're going to be continuing with our series of Shiram on the Ten Sviros, and in a certain sense starting also because Yesod is a sugya of its own, as we're going to see. Um, so tonight we're going to be discussing the Mida of Yesod, the Svira of Yesod, or Foundation. And the title of this year is going to be The Mida of Yesod and Connection. Now, in order to properly understand the media of Yesod, we really have to go back to the beginning, because as the Zohar HaKadosh and the Arizal describes at length in various places, the media of Yesod, or foundation, is also going to be referred to as Siyuma Degufa, as the end of the body, representative of the reproductive organs that stand at the bottom of a person's body, at the bottom of the upper half of the body, and therefore there's going to be an association between the Midah of Yesod and the end of things, and the limit where things reach their culmination. Now, the unique thing about the cumulative process of the Midah of Yesod, or the foundation of things, is that it's not only the end stage of things, but it's the end stage of things once it has collected within itself every stage that has preceded it. In other words, Yesod is not simply the end of the upper nine spheros, but rather it is the accumulation of each power of the nine spheros that preceded it, all operating in unison, collected into one unified place for the purpose of connecting to something outside of itself. The Zohar HaKadosh and the Psukim, which describe the spheros, when we say L'cha Hashem HaGedula V'HaGevura V'HaTiferes V'HaNetzach V'HaHoid Kichol B'Hashamayim U'Va'aretz, this Pasuk is representative of the seven lower spheros, the imminent spheros, which are affected by Shiros HaKelim, which undergo a negative transformation as a result of being affected by the playing field of good and evil, of right or wrong, of kosher and usur, of pasal and mutter, and all of the six sides of choice that are associated with the Eitz Adas Tov Vira, in contradistinction to the first three upper spheros, which are transcendent in their nature, which are beyond the realm of good and evil, um, associated with the Eitzachayim in its purity, that the Yesod is going to be the accumulation of the seven lower spheros, which are represented in this Pasuk of L'cha Hashem HaGedula. Gedula, or greatness, or expansion, or expression, is going to be associated with the Midah of Avraham Avinu, the Midah of Chesed, in its overflowing water-like process, which goes from above to below. Hagavura is the severity or the intensification of din, which is associated with Yitzchak. Hatiferes is going to be the beauty, the grandeur, the aesthetic sense of paradoxical unity that emerges out of the truthfulness and the beauty of Yaakov Avinu. Netzach and Hod, which we discussed last week, are going to be the two thighs of the individual, the two legs of the person, where the midos, or the emotional states, begin to trans descend into the mutva, into the instinctual realm of a person's behavior. And then we come to the midah of Yesod, which doesn't have its own word associated with it, but the Pasuk says, Kichol Bashamayim Muvaaretz. And the Svarim point out, the Shari Oira and the Zohar Kadosh and the Arizal takes it from there, is that the midah of Yesod is going to be identified with the word kol. Kol means everything. Kol means all. Kol means the cumulative process at the end of things where everything is gathered together in one specific place. Now, this midah of Yesod is the receptacle 
is the placement within the self, the emotional place where all of the different emotions, all of the different spheros and potencies which the individual experiences gather together so that they can be unified in their direction. Now, starting from keser, starting from the cranium, starting from that place of rutzon, that deep desire which is driven based on the concealed ta'anug, the ta'anug ha'amiti, the pleasure-driven desire that the individual has to emerge out of themselves. And then it descends into the right brain of Chachma, which is seeing everything in its unified totality, devoid of the particularization and separation of different parts. Then the right brain descends into the more severe mode of consciousness, which is going to be the Mida of Bina, of understanding, where I take that general quality of wisdom and I break it up into different parts, bite-sized particles, which, yes, on the one hand appears to be differentiation and multiplication, yet on the other hand it allows for a deeper understanding of things, whereby the differentiation and the darkness of Bina, in spite of the fact that it breaks Chachma up, gives us the ability to understand Chachma in a deeper, more embodied sense. And then from there, we go through the pseudosphere of Das, which is represented either of the corpus callosum, the midbrain, which kind of bridges the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere of Chachma and Bina, because it's rooted in that infinite place of Keser. The Das allows for the transference or that Gesher, that Kesher, that bridge that allows for the transcendent mochen of consciousness or things in their ideal state to descend into the realized state of emotional life, wherein phenomenologically speaking, I have different moods through which I experience the world. Chesed is going to be the expansivity that attempts to connect to things outside of itself to the extent that it could connect to anything in spite of the fact that it might be harmful. Gevura, on the other hand, which is associated with the left arm, is going to be there to constrict and set limits to what I connect to. So if chesed is a movement outwards, gevura is a movement inwards. And then the synthesis of the two of them in the body itself, which is teferes, which is the ability for a person to have amida that is possible of being applied in any circumstance. This is that paradoxical space of the aesthetic beauty that emerges out of the contrasts between one thing and its other. Then we have Netzach and Hod, where the emotionally lived states now descend into the instinctually experienced states where things are already starting to move externally. And then we finally come to the culmination of this process, which is going to be referred to as Yesod, or the foundation of everything. Now, in order to understand the purpose of Yesod, we have to really understand the entire purpose which we've been discussing since the inception of the Shiram, which is simply that when looking at the Sviros, when looking at the Eser Sviros, and including the pseudosphere of Das, which obviously is not going to be part of the equation in terms of counting the spheros, because we have to always keep in mind the interdiction that the Sefer Yitzira tells us, which is that a person has to be careful to only count 10 spheros, not 9 and not 11, that the entire purpose of the spheros are to disclose or to show the process wherein something deeply interior, something even preceding interiority, the interior of the interior, the Kodesh HaKadoshim, that which is concealed from the eye, and within that concealment there's even a deeper concealment, how that deep concealment within the self, how that deep concealment within the world, and then anthropomorphically speaking, applying those same theosophical concepts to our own psychologically lived state, how the interiority of ourselves begins to emerge out of our self-sustained 
unified whole into the outside world. How do we go from the inside to the outside? How do I go from this solipsistic self-satisfaction with myself where I'm saturated with my own experiences, where I need nobody and nobody touches me, like Simon and Garfunkel say, how do I move from that interiority into the outside in order to engage with other people, with other objects, and with other things? That is what the process of the Sirius are coming to show us. That from the initial inception of desire, which is rooted in a concealed form of pleasure that the soul experiences, down to including Yasod itself, is one fell swoop of a process wherein the inside begins to slowly but surely emerge from within itself, from within its potential form, into actualization, which we're going to discuss next week when we discuss the Mida of Malchus, which is nothing but the manifestation of potential into actuality. But prior to the manifestation of the inside into the outside in some practical, measurable way, we reach this Mida of Yesod, wherein all the potency, all of the energy, all of the dreams and the possibilities and the meanings that we have created for ourselves and the world-making which we have gone through, through our phenomenological modes of experiencing the world, all of that burgeons and it collects into one intensified point and it gathers itself and it rests at the Mida of Yesod at the foundation of the individual where it stands at the ready to be disclosed and expressed to somebody other than ourselves or to be expressed into the world that is separate from our own internal heart and mind of our experience. So in other words, the Mida of Yesod is the culmination of the process of these spheros to the point that it's referred to as coal, to the point that it's referred to as the unity that contains all the previous spheros as they stand at the ready to be disclosed externally. So on the one hand, the Mida of Yesod is going to be the station where things take a moment to rest themselves prior to being disclosed externally. And the Mida of Yesod, or foundation, is deeply connected to this idea of being mashpia, or sharing something with another person, or disclosing myself to another person, or connecting with another person in a real way. Yet on the other hand, almost paradoxically speaking, Yesod is also going to be representative of a limit, or the siyuma degufa, or the end of the body, as the Zohar Kadosh points out. Because Yesod, as we're going to see, by dint of the fact that it occupies a place in the middle line of the spheros, that Chachma, Chesed, and Netzach, each of the triads of the Moichin, of the Midos, and the Mutva, of the intellectual process, of the emotional process, and the instinctual process, each of these triads are split up right, left, and center. The right side of this three-tiered process is going to be referred to as Chachain, the acronym of Chachma, Chesed, and Netzach, by dint of the fact that each three of those zeros occupy the same movement outside of oneself, the movement outwards, this expressivity that descends from on high to below, this loving kindness that wants to engage. The left side is going to be Baga, which is going to be the acronym of Bina, Gvura, and Hod. Again, the three left sides of each of this three-tiered triadic structure. Bina is the understanding, which is the left brain. Gvura is the right arm, which is the constrictive limitation. And Hod is that constrictive sense of powerlessness where a person realizes that what they are capable of accomplishing or disclosing is nothing but the gift or the grace of God himself. And the middle line, or the synthesizing line, or what's referred to in the Kabbalah of the Vilna Gon, as well as in the Tikkun Zohar more than anywhere else, as Amuda de Emseusa, the middle pillar, 
this middle pillar, this synthesizing space, wherein the right and the left seem to unify together to create a third that is greater than the sum of their parts, in contradistinction to something that we refer to as Hegelian dialectic, where the synthesis is simply the negation of the thesis and the antithesis to the point that we create a third that is different and separate from what it's coming to connect. The Kabbalistic theory of dialectics, very similar to our of Soloveitchik, tries to describe in his numerous writings, and Rav Kook also had his own way of describing this, is that the synthesis is not cutting away from the thesis of the right side or the antithesis of the left side, but rather it, it is a total that is greater than the sum of its parts, in the sense that paradoxically speaking, in the middle line in the Kava Emtsai, which is associated with Dati, or Das, Teferis, and Yesod, or Keser, Teferis, and Yesod, depending on how you're counting, this line of the middle is associated with a unifying koach that seems to somehow take both strengths of the left and the right, of chesed and gevura, of expressivity and constriction, of a movement outwards and a movement inwards, and it unifies both of them so that, paradoxically speaking, both are simultaneously taking place within these middle spheros. So when we look at the Midah of Yesod, very similar to what we saw when we spoke about the Midah of Teferes, as well as the Midah of Das, is that Yesod contains within itself simultaneously two paradoxical impulses, which we said is on the one hand, the movement outwards, the preparedness and the readiness to express myself and disclose myself outside of myself to another person, to another idea, to another field, to another expression of existence. Yet at the same point, it's also going to be associated with the deep sense of limitation or withholding, wherein there's this dual impulse of expressivity and withholding that are taking place simultaneously. And this is something that we're going to see very deeply in the teachings of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, especially in the difficult 63rd teaching of Lakute Maharan, Torah Samach Gimel, which refers to the Kavanos of Brismila, where we're going to see that the Mida of Yesod and the Baal Sulam also in his Ma'amarim of being Megala Tefach, Umachasa Tefach, of revealing a uh, hand's breadth and concealing two hand's breaths, we're going to see that the Mida of Yesod is deeply connected to the paradoxical play or really the dialectical sway between concealment and disclosure or withholding and revelation. On the one hand, the willingness to move outside of myself in the sense of expressing myself externally, yet at the same point realizing that paradoxically speaking, the only way that I can reveal myself is by concealing myself. Because prior to the concealment of myself, or whoever we're talking about in whatever situation one finds themselves in, if we fully assert ourselves through the impulse to disclose ourselves and reveal ourselves to the other or reveal ourselves to the world, so then we overwhelm the other person. We inundate the world. There's no more space for us. There's too much going on. And therefore, we must withhold ourselves, and only by withholding ourselves, only by limiting ourselves, only by holding back and taking the energy and pulling it back into ourselves, are we capable of revealing ourselves in a manageable way. This is something that we see that runs the gamut of Kabbalistic thought in general. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai in the Hakdama to the Idra Zuta, as well as the Idra Rabbah, and this is something that takes place numerous, countless times in the Zohar HaKadosh, and there's been so much written on it by the Atarasvi, the Zidushavar Skusa Yoganalenu, down to the current trends of Zohar scholarship in Eretz Yisrael, which has taken on a Renaissance turn wherein they have understood deeply the poetic 
psychological impulses at play within the heart of the Zohar HaKadosh itself, that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, when he stands at the ready to talk about the revelation of secrets, the revelation of secrets, disclosure, which is very associated with the Midah of Yesod, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai cries, Bacha Rabbi Shimon, Bacha Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the human embodiment of the Midah of Yesod, the Tzaddik Yesod Olam, the righteous individual who is the pillar of the world, as we're going to discuss a little bit later by Roshe Prakim. We're not going to go too deeply into the sugya of the tzaddik's association with Yisod, by dint of the fact that it's such a massive sugya that speaking about it would probably be misleading and destructive as opposed to instructive. But nevertheless, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says, Bacha Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon cried, Vai galina, vai galina. When standing at the ready to disclose the secrets of Torah, when standing at the ready to embody the trait of yisod, of disclosure, of revealing that which has gathered up and the reservoirs internally that have gathered up to be disclosed, Rabbi Shimon is by a, a crossroads. On the one hand, there's this impulse to reveal itself. On the one hand, there's this deep drive for secrets, things that are hidden from the six days of creation to emerge externally into the world so that they can be benefited and utilized by other people. Yet at the same point, there's also this deep fear or anxiety or trepidation of vai egalina. Woe to me if I reveal this. Woe to me if I share what's internalized within me. Not necessarily because there's a danger in sharing it, because, but rather when I share it, I lose it. When I speak of something that is secret within me, when I share that which is entrenched within the interiority of my spirit, all of those different processes from Kesser all the way down to Netzach and Hod, by sharing it, it loses its vitality. By sharing it or externalizing it, it loses its secrecy, it loses its privation. I lose that sense that this is something that is deeply private to me and to me alone. So there's this dialectic, this pulsation going on at once simultaneously in the sense that I want to reveal myself, but at the same point, the only way I can reveal myself is by concealing myself. And that only by hiding myself, only by withholding from revelation, am I capable of disclosing something. Very similar to the experience of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kavyachal in what we describe as the Tzimtzum. Like we said in the Shirim of the Leshem Shabbat and I believe that we discussed this very much in the Shirim of Rav as well, that the Tzimtzum is not the constriction or the concealment of godliness, so to speak, within this world, but rather the concealment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's infinite light of the Orient Sof, according to the Leshem Shabbat as rooted in the teachings of Rabbeinu Azriel of Gerona, like we saw in the teachings of Rav Kook and the Leshem as well, is that the tzimtzum is a concealment for the sake of disclosure. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kavyachol limits himself for the sake of disclosing himself. Because had there not been concealment, had there not been a hiddenness, had there not been a diminution of the infinite light, the infinite light would have been so overwhelming and inundating and saturating that there would have been no room for anything else. And therefore, it's only paradoxically through the act of concealment and through the act of removal that there can be any expression. And this is something we're going to find deeply connected to the Midah of Yesod, which is why the Midah of Yesod is going to share the same etymological root as the word Sod, of secret, that the Midah of Yesod, this part of the body associated with Yesod, this part of the mind associated with Yesod, this part of the world and existence associated with Yesod, or foundation of things, is always perpetually going to be concealed and hidden. 
the disclosure of the Midah of Yesod, somebody who comes and reveals the Midah of Yesod in a way that is inappropriate or in a way that is unmeasured or in a way that is happenstance or in a way that is overly enthusiastic or trying to express too much is tantamount to heresy, is tantamount to the destruction of things. The Midah of Yesod, this balancing act, this foundation of things that rests at the core of everything is so delicate that it needs to undergo this perpetual simultaneity of paradoxical dance between disclosure and revelation, disclosure and revelation, to the extent that as Rav Kluger points out, Rav Avram Tzvi Kluger Shlita, in quite possibly the greatest sefer, at least that I've read in my limited knowledge, on this concept of the Midah of Yesod, the sefer that was put out by one of his chavrusas called Hechieni Ve'echia, Bring Me and I Will Live, the, the sefer itself discusses this paradoxical concealment and disclosure, not an existence and existence that operates at once when discussing the Midah of Yesod, when discussing the Midah of Tzaddik, and anybody who's interested in further deepening their understanding of the sugya, I do recommend the Sefer very much. <clears throat> now, when we talk about the Midah of Yisod, or the Midah of Kol, or this ability to collect everything together for the sake of sharing it, for the sake of emerging outside of myself, the individual associated with this Midah of Yisod is going to be Yosef HaTzadik. Now, Yosef HaTzadik, for so many reasons, is going to be associated with the Midah of Yisod. One of the reasons is, that when we look at the Pasuk of Kihol Bashamayim Uva'aretz, that Kihol, the Midah of Kol, the Midah of Yesod, is in Shamayim and Aretz, the Targum on that Pasuk says, the Achid Shmaya that this individual has the ability to unify heaven and earth. Now, similar to what we saw by the Midah of Das, similar to the fact that the Adata Hayom Vahashivoisa that Das embody knowledge or, under, or, or wisdom, Embodied knowledge is the ability to connect the transcendental aspects of myself, those parts of myself which, which are unencumbered by the reality of this world that operate in their idealized forms, where I can dream, where I can hope, where I can will, where I can think, and in the place of my thoughts, I can actually create circumstances where peace is apparent, where calmness is apparent. Like the taught, and like the shouted from the rooftops that where a person thinks, that's where they are. And the connection between that transcendental realm of moichin and the limited realm of emotions is the process of das, that das is the ability to transfigure consciousness into lived, emotional, embodied states. Yesod is also this capacity for me to connect the interiority with the exteriority. The interiority is going to be shamayim, it's going to be the heavens, it's going to be the supernal places where pollution and human activity and destruction have no reign, have no hold. And aretz, or artsiut, is going to be associated with the revealed realms of things, with the expression of myself. Like we said in the name of the Ishbitzer and the Radziner, and the Sod Yasharim shouts this so often, hundreds of times in his Svarim, literally hundreds of times, that this Midah of Yesod is already a dangerous Midah, in the sense that Kolzman, as long as that which is within me remains within me, as long as my hopes and my dreams and my expressions and my imprint and my stamp and that which I come to the world to bring or what I've come to the world to reveal, as long as it remains tied up within my interiority, 
as long as it remains in potential form, it's not going to be net damaged by external factors. It's not going to be polluted by that which is outside of me. I retain a certain level of control over the things that exist within my thoughts and within my emotions. It's only when things begin to disclose themselves in the world outside of myself, where things begin to be exposed to circumstances that are beyond my control, to the reality of a world that is not necessarily matim or appropriately aligned with what my internal state is, that's where I run the risk of mistakes. That's where I begin to enter into a space where things can go one way or the other way. And quite frankly, it doesn't really matter whatsoever what my intention was, because once it enters into the space of otherness, at that point, there are so many factors that can influence the trajectory or the end result of my expressivity that I'm no longer in control of things. And this is what the Sodhya Sharm points out so often. One of the Sodhya Sharm's favorite Zohars to quote, or of Gershon Henoch, Liner of Redzin, who Amir Tzashem we're going to be basing our next series of Shirim on, speaks so often about is a Zohar that says, B'zehalashon, Ema adhoid ispashet, that Ema, that the concept of Moichin, the concept of Bina and Chachma, and what it means to have a mother, what it means to have somebody who's looking out for us, what it means to have Shlita over our behaviors, what it means to have supervision over our behaviors to the extent that I can rest assured that mistakes will not be made, only goes down to the midah of hod. It only reaches the level of hod. But once we descend away from the midah of hod, which we discussed last week, when we come to the siyuma de gufa, when we come to the end of the body, the limit of the body, wherein things are being prepared to be expressed externally, at that point, the moichin, consciousness, Abba and Ima, Chachma and Bina, no longer have any control. Parental supervision is no longer rooted there. At this point beyond Hod, at the point of Yesod, at this point of expressivity where things have gathered together and coalesced for the sake of being disclosed externally, at that point there's no longer any parental supervision, so to speak. Abba and Ima, the Moichin, the transcendent realms of spirituality that remain idealized in myself, the dreams that I have, the desires that I have, are no longer applicable, no longer have any rootage in this space of Yesod. Which is why in one of the most profoundly beautiful and deeply difficult Zohars, it's pointed out that the word Yasom, the word orphan, is going to be the Roshe Tevos of Yafa Toar Umare. That yasum, which means somebody who is orphaned from their parents, which is the midah of yasod, which is no longer in relationship with Abba and Ima, with Chachma and Bina, with the modes of conscious awareness, it's specifically in this midah of yasod. It's specifically at this point in our experiences when our minds and our desires and our hopes and our dreams and our human reasoning and our sense of control over things no longer reign supreme. At this makom of yesod, at this makom of expressivity externally, of engaging with the other, of leaving the interiority of, my, of myself to express myself externally, at this point I am orphaned, I am a yasam, I no longer have that conscious awareness of what's happening, but it's specifically and paradoxically there that there's going to be a yafa tawa umare, 
a beautiful vision, a beautiful expression, beauty, which is associated with the Midah of Yosef, because Yosef is the Yafatawa Umara. Yosef is this beautiful child who finds himself orphaned from his, from his parents, finds himself removed and thrown away, thrown into the makam of death. The Midah of Yesod has such susceptibility to death, to destruction, to chitzonius, which is something that we're avadai, not going to be speaking about in this year, but the Midah of Yesod, my Rebbe of Moshe Weinberger Shlita, has given, I believe, since 2016, at least 72 shirim on the Midah of Yesod, on the Midah of Yosef HaTzadik. So this is a sugya hakolelas. This is a sugya that runs the gamut from the origins of creation prior to the expression of godliness within this world, all the way down to the eventual eschatological stage of Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David. That the Midah of Yesod and Rav Morgenstern points this out in his Haskama to Yeruchem HaShemesh, which is right behind me from his Talmud Muvak. Um, he writes in the Haskama, I'm blanking on, on the Talmud's name right now. I believe it's Rav... Okay, I'm, I'm forgetting the name. Nevertheless, this Sefer, Rav Morgenstern Morgenstern, in the Haktamatur Yeruchim HaShemesh, he writes that this Midah of Yesod, unlike other Sviros, and this is based on the writings of the Kilas Yaakov, as well as the Admor HaEmsoi, that the Midah of Yesod is this Das Shal Shalom, is this wisdom of peace, which runs from the recesses of Ein Sofiut, from the depths of the infinite all the way down to the most finite expression in existence. That the power of Yesod is that it's mavrich mena ketza ela ketza. The kayach of the tzaddik to be makasher, the elyonim and the tachtonim. This just goes to show how deeply fundamental the midah of Yesod is and how we can speak about the midah of Yesod for weeks and weeks or years. Nevertheless, for our purposes, it suffices to say that the midah of Yesod, because it's that makom of being a yasum, of being orphaned, of no longer operating within the light or the supervision of the moichin, of my conscious awareness, the midah of yesod is a yasum, it's orphaned and it's susceptible to destructive tendencies and it's susceptible to self-destruction and, and horrific experiences of, of bittel and pigmei hayesod and destroying the midah of yesod or destroying the foundation of a person. Nevertheless, when the midah of yesod is utilized properly, when expressivity is shared properly, when I have the capacity to share that which I have properly, then it becomes a yafa toa umara. This is what we find by Yosef HaTzadik, that Yosef HaTzadik finds himself in the pit. He finds himself thrown into the lowest experiences of this world, imprisoned, chased, experiencing all of the vicissitudes of what it means to be a human being in the existential realms of destruction and lowliness, devoid of any kedusha, devoid of any life truly dead in, in the depths of oneself without any capacity to find hope. And it's specifically there in the pit, in the pit of, of abysmal despair, that Yosef HaTzadik is capable of interpreting dreams, of disclosing the interiority of things. The dream the Mitla Rebbe writes in such a remarkable mimer in Teres Chaim, in Parshas Vayechi, that the dream is extra. The dream is the extra negated parts of the mind, the surplus of the mind, the too muchness of the mind, which according to so many people are meaningless expressions of fantasy and imagination. Yet Yosef HaTzadik, 
And further on in Jewish history, Sigmund Freud, another Yid who hid within the system of exile in order to reveal the depths of the unconscious, were capable of disclosing the interpretation of dreams. They were capable of disclosing that deeply hidden within concealment, there rests a kernel of interiority. That it's specifically by this midah of yesod where I no longer have control over how I'm going to express myself, where I no longer have control over the direction in which my words are going to be taken. It's specifically there that beauty emerges. Because by the midah of yesod, what we're associating with is the idea that ki choyel b'shamayim that when properly experiencing the descent from the original will and pleasure of Kesser down to the Midah of Yesod, if I do it properly and I have the proper faith and trust in godliness and Kedusha and the Tov and the goodness that abides within all of reality, the Midah of Yesod is so often associated with goodness, Kitov, Ha'or Kitov, the light which is good. Tov is the gematria of 17, which is going to be the same numerical value of the years that Yosef had lived prior to descending into Mitzrayim and the years that Yaakov Avinu lived in Mitzrayim and the name that we described, Es HaShemayim Ve'es Ha'aretz, which is associated with Das, the unification between Shemayim and Aretz, Aleph Hey Vav Hey, is also going to be the numerical value of Tov because Yesod and Tov are so deeply connected with one another. If we want to believe that in spite of the fact that we've lost the ability to have Shlita over where our actions and our behaviors go, it's contingent on the deep belief that the world is good. That without chesed, that's going to be metgale befuma da'ama, like the Tikkun says. Without that expressivity and light of chesed, which stands at the ready to be disclosed at the point of yesod, then the yesod is meaningless. It's only when Yesod has the capacity to disclose itself with a deep abiding belief in the goodness of things, like Yosef HaTzadik, who lived and abided in Mitzrayim, the depths of hell, in spite of all of that, he believed in the goodness of the world. That's where Yesod has the capacity of operating most profoundly, specifically in the orphan state, specifically when I lose the father and the mother, where I lose Shlita over myself, where I lose control over my thoughts, my mind, my body, and I no longer have any decision-making associated with where I express myself, at that point when I'm mevatal myself, when I nullify myself and I relinquish myself to the deep belief that there is a goodness, capital G, that drives everything, at that point the midah of Yesod reveals itself to be good. That's the koyach of Yosef HaTzadik. The koyach of Yosef HaTzadik to be within the depths of despair and to believe in goodness to believe in the externality of the dreams and the meaningless words of the dreams, to find deep concealed goodness within those dreams. On a more psychological level, what Yesod is associated with is the question of essentiality, the question of connecting to the main point in things. After this entire descent from the interiority of the mind, from the will and the desire, the the infathomable expression of Kesser down through all of the Midos which we've described, we come to the question of what is the purpose of all of this? Where has all of this process led us to? Now that we've come at a standstill, now that we've reached that point of cumulative association of all of the Midos in their Klalius, in their unified whole together, how do we ensure that what we express is going to be meaningful? that what we express is going to be for a purpose and not levatala. That the midah of Yesod, when not utilized properly, is the sugya of 
meaninglessness, of levatala, of bittal, of having no purpose and no reason. The question of yesod, the danger of yesod is levatala. The danger of yesod is that it will be meaningless because the entirety of our meaning is constructed primarily based on the midah of yesod, based on the foundation of things. So when we properly utilize the midah of yesod, when we express ourselves properly in ideas and thoughts and communication and language and writing and expressivity in our jobs and our personal lives and our experiences, our thoughts and our deeply lived emotions, so that's where we find meaning. That's where we find essentiality. But lo aleinu, when Yesod is misused, or when Yesod is not utilized properly with the proper Kedusha and Tahara, and, and the utilization of Shlita and self-control that all of us have developed through the process of the spheros within ourselves, so then the question of Yesod is one of Levatala. The question of Yesod is meaninglessness. And at a certain point in our era, the epoch of postmodernism was an embrace of meaninglessness. It was a certain sanctification of nihilism, a certain taking of meaninglessness and utilizing it as the crowning jewel of experience. And what that is, is a pegam in the midah of yesod. And this is on one hand what Rav Shimon Gershon Rosenberg, Rav Shimon Gershon Rosenberg came to fix, what Rav Shagar came to fix, this tzaddik who lived such a short life, Rav Shagar's entire tachlis, Rav Shagar's entire process was to take this realm of meaninglessness this realm of Pagam Hayasod, of Livatala, of things being meaningless, and to show how even within meaninglessness, even within what appears to be the death of meaning of postmodernism, the death of the meta-narratives, which my brother Josh Rosenfeld expresses very beautifully in a series of shirim that he gave on postmodernism, it's specifically there that Rav Shagar came to disclose meaning. It's specifically there that Rav Shagar came to show that even in the depth of the inessential, even in the depth of the Livatala, there's the koyach of meaning and purpose. And this is the midah of yesod. The midah of yesod comes to connect to things essentially, to connect to the middle point of things. The Rabbi Rasha, based on the Zohar and the Tikkunah Zohar, refers to the midah of yesod as miyotamachsik esamaruba, that this tipa, this dot, this point of intensity that emerges out of ourselves, whether it be by thought, by behavior, by action, by speech, by intention, by dream, by hope, by despair, whatever human experience we have, the Midah of Yesod emerges in a puntiform form, this tiny dot that contains everything within itself. That when I have the ability of utilizing Yesod properly, the foundation of myself or of life, what I'm doing is I'm connecting to that which is essential in things. Shmira Sabris, what it means to guard the covenant. What it means to be a Shomer Habris is to be aware of what is essential in circumstances. When I'm speaking, to be aware that my words have meaning. When I'm engaged at work, to be aware that what I'm doing can either make a Kiddush Hashem or a Chilol Hashem, can sanctify the name of God or make the name of God cheaper than it already has become, unfortunately. That everything that I am engaged in can either be meaningless or intensely meaningful. And that is what it means to be a Shomer Habris. The Chazonish says in one of his letters, and Rav Shagar would quote this very often, I believe he quotes it in Bitaraso Yehege, as Limad HaGemara Kebakashas Elokus, Talmud learning as seeking out God, is that when the Chazonish talks about the Pagam of Bittal Torah, what's so wrong with Bittal Torah? It's not that I'm not utilizing that moment to learn Torah, 
but rather by speaking during learning Torah, by speaking during spiritual experiences, what I'm disclosing is that the connection that abided between me and that spiritual idea is secondary. It's not essential. He gives the mushal of a husband standing under the chuppah and instead of turning to his wife, turns to one of his friends and laughs about the experience. That what that shows is that there's a deep disconnection in what a person is trying to connect to at that point. To be shomer habris means to connect to what is essential, to connect to that which is meaningful for me. And the midah of yesod has the ability to connect to anything. Yosef HaTzadik certainly didn't need the circumstances of a base medrash or learning or Torah to connect to the essential thing. Yosef HaTzadik was capable of doing it in Mitzrayim, which is the polar opposite of Yesod, which is why Yosef HaTzadik becomes the paradigm of Yesod. The idea that there can be essential aspects of Kedusha, essential aspects of meaning that can be found even in the depths of meaninglessness. And this is why the Tukune Zohar, when describing the Midah of Yesod, it refers to it as the rakia that stands between the Mayim Elyonim and the Mayim Tachtonim. This rakia, this firmament which was spread on the third day of creation to separate the supernal realms of Shemayim, that which remains ideal, and the realized fallen states of Aretz, that which remains broken and shattered by this worldly experience, that this rakia stands in between the two of them, that the Yesod has the capacity of separating and unifying these two disparate states. And the Tikkun Zohar has an incredible statement. It says, Midas HaYesod, the Midah of Yesod, Tishkach Rekia, you take the word Rekia, the Timsa Iker, and what you find, the letters that spell out the word Rekia, the letters that spell out the word permanent and separation, when rearranged, spell out the word Iker. They spell out the word for essentiality, that which is essential. The Midah of Yesod is my ability to connect to that which is essential in the moment that is in front of me, to not be overcome by that which is unessential, to not be overcome by the Batala, by that which is meaningless, but to find meaning even within the husks and the broken shards of meaninglessness. The Sfasemes says this countless times. The Sfasemes HaKadosh was somebody who spoke about this Midah of Yesod more than many other tzaddikim. And this is why the Sfarim associate the Midah of Emes with the Midah of Yesod. To be MS, to be true, means to connect to that which is real in any circumstance, to find the center. That postmodernism's rallying call has always been the poem that says, widening, widening, the turning gyre. The falcon cannot hear the falconer, things fall apart, the center cannot hold. This Yeats poem that speaks of the failing of the center, the breaking apart of meaning, is in truth the polar opposite of what the Midah of Yesod is. The Midah of Yesod says that no, there is an Emtsa. There is a middle point. There is a deep significance to everything that is found. It just takes a certain level of shmira and seeking out to find it. That Yosef HaTzadik had to dig very deeply in order to find the point of essentiality. And that's where we find Iker. The Svasemes speaks so often about that unified point that contains the significance of everything. He associates it with Kedusha, he associates it with Shabbos. In one place, the Svasemes writes as follows. This is Parshas Noyach in Shnas Tafresh Samech the Svasemes, when talking about the Midah of Tzadik, the Tzadik, the righteous individual, the Amich Kulam Tzadikim, and the entire nation are, are holy. That the Tzadik is something that is disclosed within each and every person, my ability to connect with that which is, that which is essential and not to be bogged down or overwhelmed by inessential meaninglessness that is so easy to fall into that pit. Meaninglessness is the simple response to reality. 
To find meaning means that a person is shomer their bris. It means that a person is not willing to allow themselves to fall to the wayside, but rather they're going to seek it out and find that point of hidden significance. Eila told us says the svasemes. Man dinatar bris, somebody who guards their bris, somebody who guards this point of connectivity between the self and the other, between the inside and the outside, between myself and the world, between the lower realms of creation and the higher realms of creation, between the ideal and the real, between that which I want and that which is, man denatar bris ikrit sadik. Somebody who guards the bris is referred to as a tzaddik, as a righteous individual, upon which the world stands. Tzaddik be'emunaso yichya. That the entire world stands on a foundation and a pillar which is referred to as tzaddik, which is the seeking out of meaning. Peris brish, bris, what does bris mean? It means the connectivity or the ability for creation to connect to its root, because there's a root of every part of existence. He called davar because everything in existence has a root above. That doesn't just mean Torah and mitzvot, that means everything. Every experience that a person has, without anything being excluded. There is no experience that a person experiences within the experience of their lives that cannot contain within itself a sheresh panimi, an internalized point of significance. And so to the individual who has the ability of looking at everything in this world, and finding the deep sense of significance within it. So again, this midav yesod is this collectivity, this ability to take all of my strength, all of my potential, all that exists within the interiority, and to direct it and to allow it to be like an arrow, like a case, like the arrow that hits its precise mark, and not to be machtia et matara like we spoke about in the shirim on the leshem, I believe, or maybe it was the shirim on addiction, that chet doesn't mean sin. Chet comes from the language of to miss the point. And the Ramak in Tomer Devora and the Ramak in Pardes Yimonim expresses how the Midah of Yesod is also referred to as a Keshet. The Midah of Yesod is not simply a rainbow, but it's also a bow and arrow. That the bow and arrow, the art of archery, the Zen of archery is the ability to connect to the innermost point of things. To realize that even when I miss, I'm not missing because of what I've hit is that inner point of significance. And Amir Tzashem, next week, what we're going to come to is the Midah of Malchus. The traitless trait, Malchus is nothing and Malchus is everything. Malchus is the lowest and Malchus is the highest. And what we're going to find is a transvaluation wherein the masculinity of Yesod, where this propensity to express myself outwardly, to share, is actually secondary to the ability to receive and our capacity of receiving from something other than ourselves. Our ability to be humble our ability to recognize that we are quite literally nothing. And only when we realize that we are nothing do we have the capacity of becoming something. And next week, Bezras Hashem, we're going to end the series of Shiram on the Esser Sviros with the realization that the ayin of Keser, that the nothingness of Keser, the Reisha Delo Isyada, the unknowable head, the loftiest point in the Seder Ashtalshalus, is in fact reflected and manifested within the lowest rung of things, like we say every Friday night, Saif Masib and Machshavat that first in thought, last in action, that when we come to the culmination of things, what appears to be the death of things, what we come to find is that it's actually the origin of life. It's actually the beginningness of expression. And so Bezros Hashem, next week we're going to transition from the Midah of Yesod, 
from the Midah of Yosef HaTzadik, from the Midah of Mashiach ben Yosef, to the Midah of Malchus, to the Midah of David HaMelech, Mashiach, to the Midah of Mashiach ben David, Be'ezrus Hashem.